to the book, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 24. We'll just use this as a launch pad this morning. Amen. Luke chapter 24, verse 27, and then we will, for the sake of time, just go down to verse 44, same chapter, Luke chapter 24, verse 27. If you're there, say amen. Praise the Lord. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And in this text, we find Jesus has just resurrected from the tomb. He is on the road to Emmaus. He joins two of his disciples that are walking, two of his followers as they are walking, and he does not make himself known unto them. Uh, until, until they are walking on the road to Emmaus and they come and they sit down for, to eat and he begins to bless the bread and to break it and he reveals who he is at that moment and they see him uh, and he disappears and yet they, they are so excited and they return as they felt instructed to go back to Jerusalem to tell all of the other disciples there that are waiting there that Jesus is risen. They've got some great news to share, praise God. And in verse 44, they have come back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples that Jesus is alive and well. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you. He appears to them. They're, they're talking about Jesus is alive and and Jesus, when they're telling that he's alive, he appears in the room with them. And he says, these are the words which I spake unto you, which are while I was yet with you, that all things, everybody say all things, all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. He met them on the road to Emmaus, the two disciples, and he, he gave them scriptures and he expounded upon them about scriptures concerning himself. And he again appears to all of the disciples here and he begins to expound on the, the, the written law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning again himself. And then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And I feel in my spirit today impressed to take a little walk through some scriptures, talk about some types and shadows, some prophecies and some promises this morning that someone in this place this morning might receive understanding of who Jesus is. Praise God. And I don't know if I'm going to be teaching or preaching this morning, but I do feel the Lord, amen, wants to talk to somebody and give somebody some revelation of who He is this morning. Praise God. I want to, I want to title this message uh, for the sake of a title that you can have reference to this morning. It all points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. Everything points to the Lord this morning. Praise God. One more time, would you help me pray and ask the Lord to talk to us in this house and give us ears to hear. Lord, God, I pray for your anointing upon my lips of clay, my heart, my mind. God, I pray revelation would come forth in this place. God, give us understanding. Give us ears to hear. Let us be hearers and doers of your word. But give us understanding and revelation. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And we give you all the glory and all the praise because it is truly all about you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you help me give God a hand clap of praise this morning? God bless you. You may be seated this morning. It is all about Him. From the beginning to the end of the Bible, everything points to Jesus and the cross. Amen. Everything from the beginning of time. When I talked or preached about it last week, and God is a spirit. He is timeless. He is 
immaterial, that he's not made up of matter. He, he was before there was any matter, before the stars and the dust and the things that we, we see and feel and touch in this, in this universe. But he, he is timeless. He is outside of time. He's spaceless. He, he controls time, space, and matter in his hand. Praise God. And from the beginning and yet all the way to the end of time as we know it and then even beyond, everything points to Jesus. The crux of the Bible, and you've heard people use that word, the crux of the argument, the crux of the story. The crux is, is the focus point. It is the main point. It is what everything else in the story hinges upon. And interesting, ironically enough, the word crux comes from crucifixion, talking about Calvary. But the crux of everything in history is about the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? From the beginning of time in the written history in the Old Testament, everything pointed to Christ. And everything in the New Testament, everything points back to Christ. Praise the Lord. From the Old Testament to the New, the crux of time, space, and matter, everything points to Jesus. All Scripture is directly or indirectly pointing to Jesus and the cross. All Scripture is serving to verify Jesus as the Messiah. Praise the Lord. The promised Savior, the Deliverer. 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. It means He revealed Himself in the flesh. Justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on in the world, received up into glory. Amen. I heard this phrase, and I like it. Jesus was, or is, God in a bod. Body. He's God in a bod. He's the incarnate. He's the Spirit of God embodied in the flesh. He is deity, spirit in human form, in the flesh. That's why Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I and my Father are one. We know here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. There is one Lord. There's still one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And His name is Jesus. John 1, 14, in the Word. The Greek word there is logos, the thought, the plan, the Word, the thought, the plan was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Colossians 2 and 9. For in Him Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Not two, three, five, fifteen persons, but one body. He's God in a bod. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Everything points to Jesus. Praise the Lord. We see Jesus and His cross in the types and shadows in the Old Testament, in the promises and the prophecies of the Old Testament. Let's, let's take a look, if you will, for a few minutes on some of the types and shadows pointing to Christ. The word type in the Greek, tupos, it literally means an impression a first form, a model, or original pattern from which copies are made from. Praise the Lord. Amen. God offered a sacrifice in the very beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned, God offered a sacrifice. It was probably a lamb or a ram in the Garden of Eden to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. Thousands of years before Christ. And yet... The Word tells us in Revelation that He was slain before the foundation of the world. God always had a plan in mind. Everything would point to Himself. Jesus is on the road. He's talking to these disciples about things concerning Himself. When He talked to the disciples in the room, when He appeared to all of them together as they were sitting there and breaking bread, He talked about things and all the scriptures and promises and prophecies and types and shadows. And He said, I want you to know it's all about Me. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Praise the Lord. 1,800 years before Christ was born, 
God asked Abraham, Brother Rojas talked about it this morning, to offer his son Isaac. Isaac asked, where is the sacrifice? I see the fire and I see the wood, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, perhaps prophetically also, or definitely a type and a shadow, but Abraham looked at Isaac and he said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. They go to this place called Mount Moriah. It is in the same area, the same region, same mountain you find, the city of David. Same place you find where Jesus is going to be tried. And he's going to be taken outside the city to a place called Golgotha. Same place that he becomes the perfect sacrifice for humanity. Everything pointed to Christ. From 1800 years plus before he was even born in a manger. Outside us in a city called Bethlehem. The place that's named the house of bread. The bread of life came to humanity. Because everything points to Jesus. I'm preaching Jesus this morning. Is there any Jesus believers in the house this morning? Same place, Mount Moriah, 1,800 years. There is a ram, interesting, that was caught in a thicket, had thorns in its head. And Jesus had the crown of thorns placed on his head at Calvary. 1,400 years later, or before Christ, 400 years plus after Abraham, we find Moses and the people of God in the first I don't have time to preach all this this morning, so I'm going to try to go a little hurry. I'm going to speak fast, so listen fast. Moses is, and the people of God are going to participate in the, the, the Passover, the first Passover. Again, 1,400 years, maybe 1,450, depending on which calendar you look at, 1,451 on the Jewish calendar. But who's counting 1,400 plus years before Christ was even born? The Passover uh, took place in, in Egypt. And, and they, they brought in a lamb that was spotless, uh, that was perfect, that was without spot and blemish. And, and they, they had to sacrifice it. And they had to be blood put on the doorposts. And uh, over the mantle, it was a bloody picture. There had to be a blood sacrifice that took place for the saving of their sons. For salvation, it was to preserve and save life. Again, type and shadow of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, who was the perfect lamb at Calvary. Matter of fact, I don't have time to get into it all, but the entire sacrificial system in the Old Testament pointed to Christ. And as I was studying and looking through these notes and studying this, just something hit me this, this week, and I just got to share it. We, we talked about it, and I've, we, we often, uh, I've mentioned it here oftentimes. In the Old Testament, they would come and they would make a, a sacrifice, and they would do it once a year, and they would, the high priest would take the, the blood and put it on the mercy seat, and it would roll their sins ahead one more year. And it would keep them safe one more year. And it was just, I felt impressed. It was like, that wasn't just to roll their sins ahead a year. It was pointing to the cross. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. They sacrificed every blood sacrificed because they're saying there's coming a Messiah. There's coming a day when the perfect lamb is going to come. There's, I'm pointing to Calvary. Everything, everything, every sacrifice, every sacrifice pointed all the way down through time to Calvary. They would offer the blood sacrifices and it was more than just rolling their sins ahead one year. It was, it was like some of you ever had to pay your taxes or you got, you, you got a bill from the IRS or you had a bill and you had to file an extension. You may file an extension and it may prolong the debt, but the debt still has to be paid. That's what they were doing. They were filing an extension every year for 1,400 plus years. They were filing an extension until Jesus Christ was crucified at Calvary. Everything pointed to Christ. That's why we get excited about as Pentecostal, apostolic, born again, sanctified, justified believers. We get excited about songs like, oh, thank God for the blood. And there's still power in the blood. And, oh, the blood that still flows, that still washes, that still cleanses. Everything points to Christ. Somebody shout amen. Each sacrifice was pointing forward in time 
to the cross. Romans 6 and 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Revelations 13 and 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, from the beginning until the end. Everything points to Christ. And, I, and, and in studying this week, it hit me again this week, uh, not just everything in the Old Testament pointed to Christ, but there is a great thing we get to partake of. It's this thing we call communion. And when we participate in communion, it is pointing us right back to the cross. Everything from beginning to the end points to Calvary, points to Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb that was slain. Everything points to Jesus. Numbers 21, many types. I'm, I'm hurrying. I'm still on the types this morning. I got some place to go. Numbers 21 and 8. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass. This is while they're out in the wilderness. And if they got snake bit, that they could go and they would look. It says, it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. Isn't that interesting? Let's make the pole in the shape of a cross. We're going to put a, a brass serpent on this pole. <laughs> Moses made a serpent of brass, put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he... Beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. At Calvary, he became sin for us. He took on the poison of sin. The poison of disobedience from that serpent way back at the beginning of the garden, the garden of Eden. He said, if anybody looks to me, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. If you want life this morning, you need to turn your eyes to Jesus. You need to look up to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. I once was lost in sin, but I looked to Jesus. I once was lost with no hope, but I found Jesus. I got my eyes on him. Again, we find it was a type of the cross. Jesus became sin for us. Again, 1,400 years before, they put a, a cross out in the middle of a desert and put a serpent on it because those that were bitten by the serpent, he said, if you look at that, 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 that bite, not gonna, that poison is not going to affect you anymore. Why? Because he paid the wages of sin. He became sin for us at Calvary. That's why on the day he was crucified, it's in my nose. I'll just keep on. I'm, I'm just having fun this morning. It's good stuff. One of the malefactors, one of the criminals that was crucified him and said, Hey, when you enter into the kingdom, have mercy on me. He said, Remember me. When they, he said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. What was he doing? He was looking to Jesus. We deserve to be here. You don't. You're the perfect lamb. You're the spotless. You don't deserve this. You're God in the flesh. You're the he was looking to Jesus and Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Who was speaking? The Spirit of Almighty God was speaking. Because the body of the man, Christ Jesus, died and was in a grave for three days and three nights. But this, you can't kill God. God is spirit. And so God said, today thou shalt be with me. That was the Spirit of Almighty God. Who was, he, as a matter of fact, he had just told the disciples and the Pharisees. As a matter of fact, they wanted to stone him because they were thinking he was talking about a physical temple. But he said, you destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it right back up. He was saying, you can kill this body, but you can't kill my spirit. You can't kill God Almighty. And in three days, I'm going to get back in this temple and I'm going to... Oh, hallelujah. John chapter 6. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then, isn't that interesting, even the manna, 1,400 years in the wilderness, type and shadow of the bread of, bread of life. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. 
He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Moses led them in the wilderness, and, and they had manna fall from heaven. You already talked about it this morning. Manna fell from heaven, and they had manna every morning. But they also, they also had to have Moses speak to the rock, and later on he smote the rock, and the water came from the rock. I'm telling you, he's the rock of revelation. He's the rock that I run to. He's the rock that's higher. He's a rock that still springs forth living waters. Matter of fact, this church is built upon a solid rock. That means there's an eternal fountain flowing within us. It's like rivers of living water flowing. I'm telling you, everything points to Christ. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest by the blood of Jesus, everything's because of the blood of Christ. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Isn't it cool how, everything, how God just works everything together? Even the tabernacle was designed and laid out in the shape of a cross. Everything points to Christ. Jesus was crucified at Calvary. The Bible says when, when he was crucified and his body was, when, he, when the spirit left the body, the body died, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, giving us all access into the holiest of all, giving us access into relationship. Everything points to him. Jeremiah 23 and 5, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his, in his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Jesus is a descendant of the house of David. He is the branch. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Matthew twelve forty, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in a whale's belly. So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That was Jesus speaking of how he would be in the tomb. Yet he wasn't planning on staying there. That's why it was a borrowed tomb. He wasn't planning on staying there. I'm only going to need this for a few days, and then I'm going to be out of that thing. Romans 5, 19, For as by one man, talking about Adam's, disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous everything points to Christ these are types and shadows can I talk about some promises that point to Christ promise of Jesus in the beginning and very beginning in Genesis chapter 3 Adam and Eve sin verse 15 God said and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Talking about Christ in Calvary. Everything points. From Genesis chapter 3, everything was already pointing to Christ. Isaiah 9 and 6, some 800 years before Christ was born. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government, there shall be no end. His government, everything points to Christ. Upon the throne of David, there it is again. And upon His kingdom, and to order it, and to establish it in judgment with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this that was a promise. God is going to do it. There is going to be a child. There's going to be a son given. His name shall be called Wonderful. You can, you can take it to the bank. It's coming. Isaiah was looking down and speaking, speaking with a promise. He said, you can take it to the bank. This is who he is. This is who he will be. Deuteronomy 18 and 5, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren. Like unto me, unto him shall ye hearken. Jeremiah 31 and 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. Everybody say new covenant. With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the, in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Talking about the Old Testament and the, the Moses and the law. 
the Ten Commandments, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. Talking about the Holy Ghost. And write it in their hearts. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And will be their God and they shall be my people. Jeremiah said it's like this. It's like fire shut up in my bones. And it was on the day of Pentecost. Cloven tongues as of fire that set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful we've received the promise. In Acts chapter 2, 38, they asked Peter, what, men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything points to Christ. For the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children. I'm thankful for the promises of God. I'm thankful for the promise of the Holy Ghost. If you're thankful for the promise, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In the Old Testament, types and shadows pointed to Christ. All of the promises pointed to Christ. The Old and New Testament, or the Old Testament, all the prophecies pointed to Christ. I've shared a couple of these sake of time, I'll, just, I'll try to hurry. Genesis twenty two eighteen. it was prophesied he would be a descendant of Abraham. It was fulfilled in Matthew eleven twenty seven and Luke 3 and 36. Prophesied in Isaiah 11, 1, he would be a descendant of Jesse, a descendant of Judah. It was fulfilled in Matthew 1 and 2. Prophesied in Micah 5 and 2, he would be born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. It was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Prophesied in Isaiah, Old Testament 7.13, Isaiah foreshadowed the virgin birth of Jesus. It was fulfilled in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Can I just throw it in here? Uh, everything pointed to Christ. And just to, just to say, uh, God to say, hey, there's nobody else. This is, this is who I am. There's, there's no other uh, Messiah. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to show you. Ready? It's, I'm going to be born of a virgin. Ain't nobody else. That ain't ever happened. We got kids in here. Y'all figure it out. It never happened any other way. But Mary conceived of the Holy Ghost, Spirit of God, in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. God was saying, this is how it's going to happen. And guess what? It happened. Just like he prophesied and told, told the, the, the prophets, and they prophesied how it was going to happen. When they were moved and inspired upon the, by the Spirit of God. It's all about Jesus. Prophesied in Isaiah 7.14, he would be called Emmanuel. That was fulfilled in Matthew 1.23. God with us. Prophesied in Malachi 3 and 1, a messenger would prepare the way of the Lord. It was fulfilled by John the Baptist in Matthew 7, verse 11. Prophesied in Isaiah 61 and 1, the ministry of Jesus was foreshadowed by Isaiah. Fulfilled in Matthew 3.16, Luke 4 and 18, John 8.31 and Luke 4.19. Prophesied in Isaiah 9 and 1, he would appear in Galilee, Galilee to be a light to Gentiles. It was fulfilled in Matthew 4.12, Luke 2.28-32. Prophesied in Isaiah 35, he would perform miracles which were fulfilled in Mark 10, Mark 7, Matthew 11, Matthew 12, Matthew 9, just to name a few. Prophesied in Psalm 78, 1 and 2, he would teach in parables. It was fulfilled in Matthew 13, 3, 13, 15, and on and on and on throughout all the Gospels. Prophesied in Isaiah 42, verse 2, he would be humble, meek. It was fulfilled in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Prophesied in Isaiah 9 and 6, spoke of a son who would be called God, the mighty God. It was fulfilled John 10 and 30, John 20 and 27. Prophesied in Zechariah 9 and 9, he would enter Jerusalem while riding on a donkey. It was fulfilled in Matthew 21, 6 through 9, when he rode into Jerusalem riding on the donkey, and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Prophesied in Isaiah 53 and 1 and Daniel 9, he would be rejected and despised. It was fulfilled in Matthew 27, 21. Prophesied in Psalms 22 and 6. By the way, some of these prophecies were over a thousand years before he was even born.
Prophesied in Psalm 69 and 4, he would be hated without cause. Fulfilled in John 15 and 25. Prophesied in uh, Psalms 69 and 8, he would become a stranger to his own brothers. Fulfilled in Luke 8, 20 and 21. Prophesied in Isaiah 53 and 7, he would be oppressed. Fulfilled in Matthew 27, 27 through 31. Prophesied in Isaiah 53 and 7, he would be silent before the, his accusers. Fulfilled in Matthew 27 and 12. Prophesied in Psalms 22 and 7. Messiah, and these are just some. There's uh, 300 plus prophecies that all told the foretelling and all pointed to Christ. Right. Messiah would be mocked by people shaking their heads. was fulfilled. That was in Psalms 22. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. Just remember that Psalms 22. Fulfilled in Matthew 27 and 39. Prophesied in Isaiah 50 and 6. He would be beaten and spat upon. Fulfilled in Matthew 26, 67. Prophesied in Isaiah 56 and 7. He would be spat upon again in Matthew 27 and 30. Prophesied in Isaiah 53, 12. He would be numbered with the transgressors. Fulfilled in Luke 22, there was one on each side of him. Prophesied in Psalms 22:16, his hands and feet would be pierced. This is 1,100 years before his hands were pierced and his feet were pierced. Fulfilled in at Calvary, John 19:37, 20 and 27. Prophesied in Zechariah 12 and 10. The piercing of Jesus, again, again, prophesied by another prophet who didn't even know the writings of the previous prophet. He had these prophets, and, 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 it didn't have, and he prophesied the same thing, again, fulfilled. Prophesied in uh, tw- Psalms 22, again, his suffering would include thirst. It was fulfilled in John 19, 28. Prophesied in Isaiah 53, 12, he would intercede for sinners, fulfilled in Luke 23. Prophesied in Psalms 22, 17, he would be stripped of his clothing, fulfilled in Luke 23, 34. Prophesied in Psalms 22, 18, they would cast lots for his clothing. That was fulfilled in Matthew 27, 35 and John 19, 23. Prophesied in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, he would suffer for the sins of others, fulfilled in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Prophesied in Psalms 22 and 1, he would be forsaken and cry out to God, uh, uh, fulfilled in Matthew 27, 46. Prophesied in Isaiah 53, 8. He would die, he would die, uh, and it was fulfilled, obviously, in Matthew 27 when he hung his head and died at the cross. Prophesied in Psalms 22, 14. His death was described as piercing crucifixion, and that was fulfilled in John 19, 34. Prophesied in Daniel 9, 24. He would bring to an, an end to sin. Pay the wage of sin. Galatians 1.35 fulfilled. Prophesied in Isaiah 53 and 9. He would be buried in a wealthy man's tomb. Fulfilled in Matthew 27, 57 through 61. Prophesied in Psalms 16 and 9 through 11. God's anointed one would not see decay. Fulfilled in Acts 2.31. Prophesied in Zechariah 10 and 4. He would be the cornerstone. Fulfilled in Ephesians 2 and 20. He's the chief cornerstone. Prophesied in Psalms 16 and 8. King David prophesied about his resurrection. Fulfilled in John 20, verse number 9. He was resurrected from the tomb, from the grave. Prophesied in 2 Samuel 7 and 12. King David's offspring would have an eternal kingdom. Fulfilled in Luke 1 and 33. Revelations 22, 16. His king is eternal. His kingdom is eternal. Prophesied in Isaiah 42, 6. He would be a light to the people around the world. Fulfilled in Luke chapter 2, 32. And I'd say that's still being fulfilled today. Hallelujah. Prophesied in Isaiah 49, he would bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Christianity has spread to people all over the world. That is still continuing to be fulfilled today. But all of those prophecies and many more, everything, every one of them points to Christ. Everyone. Psalms 22 described piercing, described crucifixion. 1,100 years before he would be crucified, it was prophesied on how he would die. How is this historically significant? Let me tell you, not just that it's significant for the saving of our souls, but let me give you a little history lesson. It was about 150 years, 125 years, somewhere in that period, that the Persians began, B.C., before the, that the Persians began to crucify people. I don't know if you've seen it in your mind's eye. Here's Jesus on the cross. 150 years before he came on the scene, the Persians introduced this way of killing people of execution through crucifixion. The Romans adopted it and perfected it. And that's why the Romans were crucified Jesus. They had perfected crucifixion. He's the perfect lamb. He had to have somebody that knew what they were doing. But it was prophesied 
that he would be crucified, that his hands and feet and the crucifixion would take place over a thousand years before he was crucified, when there wasn't even crucifixion going on. Everything points to Christ. Before there was an... Like 850 years to 900 years before the very first crucifixion took place that we know of in the world, it was prophesied that he would be crucified. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Everything points to me. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Everything is fulfilled in me. Your salvation can only be fulfilled in Jesus' name. (laughs) Baptism can only be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. Healing can only be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. Whatever you have need of can only be met in Jesus' name. Why Colossians said, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout amen. Amen. And I said all of that, the types, the promises, and the prophecies to get to this right here. This is my close. When Jesus was walking... 2,000 years ago, we find that he wasn't writing things down. I don't recall him writing anyone a letter. Maybe he did. The monks, do you ever recall him in the, in the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, ever writing things down? It was always other men of God moved and inspired by the Spirit of the Lord that wrote the Gospels and wrote the things that Jesus said and did. Because you need to understand, he was, and they called him rabbi. Matter of fact, at 12 years of age, he, you find Jesus sitting in the temple. And the, the scholars of the day, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, you find all of those in the know, the, the theologians of the day, were amazed at the knowledge of just a 12-year-old boy. Because here's, here, here's what you need to understand. This is, this is so powerful. This is, so, this, is such, this is awesome. Everything points to him. He understood. He knew all the scriptures concerning himself. That's how he was able to expound even to the wisest of the Pharisees, the wisest of the religious leaders of his day. And he could expound upon all of the scriptures concerning himself. He was telling them, this is what was said 1,500 years ago, 1,800 years ago, 1,400 years ago by Moses. This is what was said by, by David 10,050 years ago. This is what was said by Isaiah about me 800 years ago. And they're like, how is it that you have perfect understanding? And he's like, because it's all about me. I wrote the book. He was more than just a man. (laughs) And in, in, in that time, in that time, Jesus, he spoke in parables many times, but he would, he would oftentimes quote Scripture as the great teachers of the day would do. It's this technique called, and I don't know if you've heard of it before, but it's called remez, remez, R-E-M-E-Z. It's this technique that they used 2,000 years ago, remez. I'll give you an example of it in, 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 in modern times, okay? You ready? I need somebody that will work with me here. I'll start the phrase and you finish it. What goes up? That's the art of Ramez. I, I, I can make a point by simply saying, I don't have to tell the whole, the whole line. I don't have to give the whole cliche. I can make a point by just drawing your attention to just what goes up. 
Two birds are better. Or excuse me, a bird in the hand. I just gave you the answer. A bird, you're like, two birds? A bird in the hand is better than. So you're thinking, I never heard that before. You can ask, ask one of these gray-haired people. They'll explain it to you after church. How about this one? When in Rome, Jesus would often make a point by drawing their attention back to Scripture. He was making a point. He was preaching an entire message without having to preach or quote the entire passage. You see, here's the thing. We have this thing called the, the King James. We have the thing, or maybe you have New King James, or you've got the, but we have this thing called chapter and verse. Right? If I said... I would like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Cool. Book of Acts is just one book. We'll say chapter 2. They didn't have a chapter 2, verse number 1. They didn't put chapter and verse to it. Writers did that to give us a point of reference. But in the time of Jesus, he didn't say, hey, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Verse number one, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord also high. In the, no, he'd just say, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. And they knew exactly where he was at in the scripture. Because that's how they, they memorized the scripture so they could take each other and make the point using scripture. You understand where I'm going here? So he could say, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And they knew exactly what passage in the message he was trying to preach from Isaiah chapter 6. Jesus could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And they knew exactly he was going to the time David wrote about, we call it Psalms 23. They didn't know Psalms 23. They just knew the psalm from David that said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is this making sense to y'all? You getting this? Matter of fact, the Pharisees, the rabbis, the scribes, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, they would memorize Scripture and would begin quoting to say where they were in the Scripture. They would use the Scripture to try to explain what was going on in their presence, in their time, in their day, what they were facing. For example, when Jesus... <laughs> He's come to the city, and the children are crying, Hosanna to him while he's in the temple. The chief priests and teachers of the law became indignant. They were angry because the children were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. That's in Matthew 21, 15, if you want to read it. Jesus responded by quoting Psalms 8 and 2. He said, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. He took them back in time. The more I look and study it, and I don't have time to get into it all, but the more I look and study in the Scripture, every time Jesus is, seems like every time He starts quoting Scripture to somebody for, for taking offense at something that's going on, he begins to, He's taking them back to show them, I am revealed and told to you before. Everything in this book points to me. Jesus would time and time again say, hey, every, you, you, these, they're saying Hosanna now. Let me tell you why. Because it was foretold and prophesied in types and shadows way back yonder, back in time, eight, nine, a thousand years ago, that this was going to happen. And he would just take them to that passage and they're going, whoa, wait a second. How is it that he's doing this? And they got mad at him when they were saying Hosanna, Hosanna. They got angry at Jesus, probably, probably because... The religious leader's anger at Jesus could probably be better understood when you realize the next phrase in the psalm that Jesus didn't give them, but they, he took them there. They, he, the next phrase in the psalm reveals why the children and infants offer the praises. It says, because the enemies of God would be silenced. They're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And he takes them back to the actual psalm when it was prophesied that that was going to happen. And the next part of it says, you're all going to have to shut up. <laughs> you ain't going to have nothing to say after this. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were mad. Matter of fact, that's why they wanted to crucify him. One of the reasons. Jesus was shutting down their business. 
How about another one? Jesus comes. He's on walking in on the road, and you heard the story about Zacchaeus. He climbs up the tree just so he could see Jesus. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, what does he tell him? For the Son of Man, in Luke 19 and 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We can read over that just thinking that's kind of cool what he said. There's more than just what he was. He was quoting Scripture. He was once again trying to go back and say, hey, everything points to me. Probably because Ezekiel chapter 34. God, when he was angry with Israel's leaders for scattering and and harming his flock, stated that he would become the shepherd and would seek the lost ones and save them. You got to understand, Jesus was saying so much more to Zacchaeus than the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He was saying, Zacchaeus, you're a lost sheep, but I've come to seek and to save your soul. I am fulfilling what has already been pointed to me in time. Today, salvation has come to your house. He didn't have to preach the entire song. He didn't have to give the whole prophecy. People understood when he just he said, hey, I'm taking you back. It's kind of like us say, hey, let's go to the 23rd Psalm. or Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. We know the message that's there. And this is so good. Based on this, the people in Jesus' day and age and time understood that the Messiah to come would seek and to save the lost. By using the phrase that he, that he used to Zacchaeus, knowing that his listeners knew the scripture, Jesus was communicating several things. One, he said, I am the Messiah. I am the I am. That's why they wanted to crucify, and, crucify him, why they wanted to stone him. To the religious leaders whose influence kept Zacchaeus out of the crowd, he's... He couldn't get to Jesus for the press. He, he was Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. Oh, you're not good enough to get to Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, hey, everything's about me, not about how good you think you are. It's not about how good people think they are. It's about who God is. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He's a graceful God. He's a loving Savior. I, I once was lost in sin, but now... I'm a sinner saved by grace. I didn't deserve it. But God came to seek and to save. Jesus was saying to Zacchaeus, you are one of the lost sheep and I love you. And that brings me to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Everything points to the cross. We find in Matthew 27. Jesus is on the cross. His hands have been nailed. His feet. He's in excruciating pain. He's bare before the world. He's fulfilling all of the prophecies because that's who he is. And on the cross, there were some Roman soldiers around. You find Mary and others. You find even John. But you also hear and find the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those that put him on the cross. And Jesus says something that you all can quote, I'm sure. But he says something in, in Psalms, or Matthew 27, verse 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, a loud voice. He wanted everyone to hear. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And if you read that at glance, you just think, wow, what a thing. The flesh, the man Jesus cried out to the spirit. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he didn't just say it. It wasn't in casual conversation. He cried out with a loud voice. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why, Jesus, would you cry at that moment with a loud voice? Ramez. He was speaking 
to show everything in the Old Testament. Every type, every shadow, every prophecy, every promise was concerning himself. Because you find Psalms 22, verse number 1. He had the strength in his body to do it. But he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Mary, his own mother, and everyone around heard him say, my God, my God. Psalms 22, and some of you I know, I can hear the pages turning, are turning to it. Psalms 22, verse 1, begins with this. My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus Christ, God Almighty in the flesh, was letting everybody in this, on this world know, I am the Messiah. I am the one true God. I am the one, the perfect lamb. Here I give my perfect blood for, to, for, the, for the saving of all humanity. He was saying, I want everybody to know. Everything is concerning myself. And those around would have understood the rest of Psalms 22. Because he took them right to Psalms 22.1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Anytime someone would have gone there, they would have known the rest of that specific psalm. But in case you don't understand the rest of it, let me kind of clue you in on where Jesus was taking everyone. He said, Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. Isn't that describing Calvary? And in the night season, am I not silent? But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. I'm glad we can cry unto the Lord and be delivered this morning. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. I'm glad I can trust in the Lord with all my heart. Lean not to my own understanding and in all my ways acknowledge him and know that he shall direct my paths. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. That was exact, taking place at that exact moment at Calvary. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They laughed and mocked him. They shoot out their lip and they shake their heads saying, this is what was taking place at the, in the moment. And yet this was written over a thousand years before the cross. Jesus wanted to remind everybody, hey, you can go back as far as you want to go back. You can go back over a thousand years and this is what this is all about right here. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Did he not say, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Seeing that he delighted in him. Let's go down to verse number, number 11, just for sake of time. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. They said, hey, hey, call on your Savior. If you're the King of Kings, call on your angels to take you down off the cross. He said a whole lot when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was letting everybody know, you tried to keep this from happening, and yet you're making it happen. You tried to keep this from happening. You tried to prevent Calvary. You tried to prevent the Messiah. You tried to stop the blood of Christ, but you can't. Matter of fact, I used you as an instrument to make it happen. Many bulls have compassed me. There's a whole lot of sacrifices up to that point. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as of a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. He's going to die and the soldier's going to come and instead of breaking his legs because it was prophesied not a single bone in his body would be broken. So they're going to pierce him in his side and blood and water flows. 
He was taking them to the prophecy of when this was all prophesied. All my bones are out of joint. His bones weren't broken, but but the weight of the cross, as he's hanging there, his shoulders were slipping out of joint. His arms and elbows, they weren't broken, but every bone in his body was slipping out of joint. love for us. He was fulfilling the prophetic word. Saying, I'm, this is all here right now. It's all about Jesus. My heart is like wax. It's talking about the condition of his heart that was beating and going to explode in his chest from the crucifixion. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. The writer was prophesying about crucifixion and they didn't even know what crucifixion was a thousand years before this. My strength is dried up like a posture. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. They came to offer him vinegar. And thou hast brought me unto the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced My hands and my feet. Psalms 22. They pierce my hands and my feet. I I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them. That's what the Romans were doing. That's what the soldiers had done. They were parting garments, casting lots for his garments. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Jesus was on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We think that it's the flesh, and I've preached that the flesh is crying out to the spirit. I don't think so now. I really don't. I feel like I have a better understanding now. It had nothing to do with the flesh saying, Let, take me off the cross. He already submitted to the cross back in the garden. Flesh had already submitted to the Spirit when he said, not my will, but thy will be done. He said, my Father, my Father, why hast thou forsaken me? I understand the Spirit had to leave so the body could die. Because right after he said that, he died. The flesh could die. So the Spirit did. The Spirit left in the flesh. But it was more than just that. Jesus was looking at everybody around. I want everyone to know it's all about me. And everything I'm doing, because to me, it's all about you. Everything points to a loving Savior, Jesus Christ. As we stand together in this place, if you need something this morning, everything points to to Christ, to Calvary, to Jesus. If you need a healing this morning, I just want to point you to Jesus. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, I just point you to Jesus. If you don't have, if you know, if you haven't been baptized, I just point you to a watery grave in Jesus' name. Amen. Whatever you need this morning, I just want to point you to Jesus. And in, in this, group of all, this group of saints this morning, I'm sure some of you have great needs this morning. I'm going to tell you this morning, I just want to point you to Jesus. If you could just call on the name that's above every name. Everything in the Word of God points to Him. And if you have a need this morning, I just want to do something today. I want to point you to Jesus. Everything points to Him. <clears throat> If you haven't repented, you can repent. If you haven't been baptized, you can be baptized in His name. If you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Almighty God empowering you, you can receive the Holy Ghost this morning. How do we do that? I just point you to Jesus. I just All you need to do is you need to come and you can kneel or you can lift up your hands. If you need a healing, if some of you have gone through some... You're not lost. You're you're filled with the Holy Ghost, but you're going through some trying times in your life. I just want to the church family, I just point you, everything points to Him. Hey, let me just point you to Jesus. 
Whatever you have need of, just point. That's why he wrote to the church in Colossians. Colossians, he said, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do on the name of Jesus Christ. Everything points to him. If you have a need this morning, I want to open up these altars. And I know we went a little longer today. But I just want to open up these altars. Whatever you have need of today, all you need to do is come and begin to call on the name that's above every name. All you need to do is come and call on the name of Jesus. I just believe God will meet you here. If you'll come and praise and worship the Lord and just begin to exalt Him, I just believe God wants to do something special for somebody. Some are coming already. I wonder would wonder if the church family would come and maybe find somebody to pray the name of Jesus over them. If someone would come help, help point them to Jesus. If you know somebody that needs something in their life, why don't you say, hey, come on, let's go to Jesus. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. If you can come this morning and you just begin to lift him up and begin to call on the name of the Lord and praise his name and bless his name, worship him, and just believe God's going to draw you close to himself. Come help create an atmosphere, church. If you don't have anything uh, that you have need of this morning, I wonder if you could just call in the name of the Lord to help create an atmosphere that somebody could receive something. If there's somebody praying up here in an altar, they shouldn't be praying alone right now, church family. Somebody ought to be stepping out, moving. Let's help them call in the name that's above every name. Everybody should find somebody. blessings concerning him. Everything, everything you need is in Jesus this morning.